Now, here's Grant Bills. Hunter in for Grant again this evening on this Thursday evening. Hope you've had a good Thursday. Hope you're staying cool. Pretty hot out there. Hunter Baumgart in for Grant Bills again this evening. And I'll be in today and tomorrow, and then Grant will be back on Monday. Plenty to continue to talk about, though. We talked a lot of Brewers and baseball throughout the entire show yesterday. All Brewers and baseball, because that's really what's going on right now. Brewers are playing. Brewers in a pennant race. Baseball trade deadline is in just a couple of weeks, so that's really what's going on. Otherwise, Packers start training camp a week from today. The Bucks maybe making a move sooner rather than later. A bigger name, at least meeting with the Bucks today. So we're going to get a little bit to, into um, both of those things as we progress. We're going to talk a little Packers uh, coming up in a little while. We're going to talk a little Bucks as well. You like... Uh, J.R. Smith, who was reportedly meeting with the Bucks today. So, met with them today. No news yet on if he signed. We'll let you know if that's the case. But either way, let's let's start with these Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, Bill Schmidt is going to join us next segment in about uh, 15 minutes or so. He hosts a uh, the Wendy's Big Show on the fan in Milwaukee, but also co-hosts the Brewers postgame show on that station. And he's going to talk all Brewers with us coming up next segment. Going to kind of pick his brain on a bunch of different things, um, including that lineup the Brewers put out there yesterday. We talked briefly about it yesterday, of course, after the game when we convened after a Brewers victory. Um, but that lineup yesterday didn't include Grandal and Moustakis, and I'm interested to see what he thought of that. Of course, going to ask him about the trade deadline. Um Kind of get and also kind of get the feel of what people in Milwaukee are thinking because you know in lacrosse it seems we're not really sure what to think yet. There's some people say selling, some people say buying, and we're kind of going to continue that a little bit with him coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. But uh, wanting to look a little bit as a whole at the infield to start today's ball game, and because there's some interesting decisions that are gonna they're gonna face this team, and I would love to know your opinion on this. What the Brewers what would you do with the infield right now? And I'm going to give you kind of some background on this. See what you think. But here's here's the uh, here's the situation that you got in the infield. Feel free to give me a text or call on the five star telecom talking text line seven nine six two five five eight. Feel free to give me a call. Also on Twitter at wkty or at hunter b one nine five. Also on Twitter. So feel free to contact me any of those ways. So. Looking at this Milwaukee Brewers infield, okay? You got your starters right now have been Aguilar and Thames trading off at first base. And now that Aguilar is getting started and, and hitting really, really well, near 400 in the last month, you're really getting a lot of production out of first base. So that's set, seemingly, unless they both go down the tubes for some reason. Second base is Keston Hira, who has been hitting just the heck out of the baseball in the last two weeks since he was called up. He's hit safely in 13 of his last 15 games. He's batting 393 
with four home runs and 10 RBIs. He's on a seven-game hitting streak right now, during which he is batting 556 with three home runs and nine RBIs. In his last seven games, he is 15 for 27. That is crazy numbers, and we are finally seeing what we hope for from Keston Hira. Now, the shortstop position was Orlando Arcia to start the year very consistently, and then you started seeing a little bit, maybe prompted by uh, the injury. Well, Perez started a little bit a couple of times, but then he was sent down, and then that injury, that that collision occurred between Arcia and Hira, and that kind of opened the door for Council to make a, a couple moves. Now, Dubon came up, and he got some play at shortstop in that one game on the Sunday before the All-Star break. Um, bare, only an inning or two. Um, but Saladino has been the guy who has filled in for Orlando Arcia when he's been, when he's been uh, not in the lineup. And that's just made zero sense to me. I mean, the guy's batting... 0-9-3, I mean, under 100, the guy's batting, and he's like 4 for 43 in the majors uh, this year. He was tearing it up in the minors, and he's good defensively, but the hitting didn't transfer, and it just doesn't make sense why that guy's in the lineup over Arcia. Now, is not having the best of years. He's having a little bit better of year than he was at this time last year. He's batting 231 with 12 home runs and 38 RBIs. Isn't terrible, and I, I think the guy just needs to play. I love his de- defense. Now, his defense has been a little more shaky this year. Um, But overall, I, I like how Orlando Arcia plays, and I would much rather have him in the lineup than Tyler Saladino. So I'm really not sure why Saladino's still on this Major League roster and every day that goes by, it will puzzle me more and more. It's kind of like, remember Oliver Drake a few years ago? He was a pitcher. You might not remember him. It was actually only a couple years ago. This guy started on a spring training, and he was terrible in the bullpen. And he kept coming in and kept giving up runs. And they kept him on the roster for longer and longer and long. And I just didn't understand it. And then finally, after people were clamoring and, you know, People were going to, not that they were going to actually pick it at Miller Park, but people were just going crazy over that Oliver Drake was still in the bullpen. That's kind of what this reminded me of. No really rationale for it that I can see. And he's just getting put in there maybe solely for his defensive ability when really Orlando Arcia has shown time after time that the defense, that his defense is good enough. And better than good enough. I mean, that guy's been really, he's made some fantastic plays at shortstop. And I just think he needs to get out of his funk. Now, he was he, he was in that collision, so maybe that's part of it. I'm not sure. Um, but then you got third base, Mike Moustakis, okay? So one of those guys that has been in the minors, out of the minors this year, mostly in the majors, was Travis Shaw. Now, we sometimes forget about him, but Hira and Shaw have rarely been in the majors together because it's really been. Uh, he goes down, you come back up. Because Musakis was playing second base when Shaw was at third base. And since Shaw had a very bad start to the year, Shaw goes down and Hira comes back up. Now, Travis Shaw has been in the minors for a fair amount of time now. And that guy is starting to really heat up. Let me give you some of these numbers. In his last seven games, Travis Shaw, three home runs, a double, 
12 RBIs for Travis Shaw. Now, I saw a great article online today on uh, minorleaguebaseball.com um, just kind of recapping what Travis Shaw has done, some of the some of what he, he his mindset has been down in the minors. He said, he said, originally I was pretty ticked off about the move. I had a couple days where I just kind of checked out before I came down here to San Antonio. Uh, so I got my mindset where it needed to be. And for me, it was a mission to try to get back up there to the majors as quick as possible. And he's really starting to do that. Like I said, last seven games, um, uh, San Antonio has won every single game. They're on a seven-game win streak. And during that, Shaw has been contributing like crazy. Three home runs, a double, 12 RBI. So... Since Shaw is doing well, and he's proven in the majors that he can do well. I mean, the guy hit 30 home runs two years ago. and Well, two years in a row, I should say. The, guy, the guy's proven it. I mean, he's proven it in the majors. So, what happens now? The easy move to me is, obviously, you bring up Shaw and you send down Tyler Saladino. But, that's, but then you got Hira and Shaw and Moustakis, none of which play the shortstop position. Now... Could, could somebody maybe shift over there? Maybe. Now, Hira is not really known for his defense. He's got to improve his defense, and, and he knows that. Everybody knows that. So to move him from second base to shortstop, I don't know if that's going to help him. Um, And so Moustakis, I think, would be the one guy of those three that could maybe make the shift over there. Maybe. But if you really think about it, do you want Moustakis, who's a fantastic corner infielder at third base, and really was great at second base as well? Do you want him moving and shifting to a third position, right? Because he played second base just a couple of weeks ago before Shaw sent down. I mean, that was Moustakis was your everyday second baseman until Hira came up and Shaw got sent down. So I think Moustakis could do it. And if you're really, but then you're putting Arcia, then I think you make a move. Then I think you trade Arcia. I mean, honestly, if you or Travis Shaw, I mean, you got I think, since Hira has been doing this well in the major leagues and is hitting, you know, 556 in his last seven games and is having just a phenomenal time here in the majors. He's hitting 393 in the majors um, in his last 15 games, four home runs, 10 RBIs. I think if you want Shaw to stick around, you you might tr- you trade Arcia maybe, but I think more so if you want Hira to stay in the majors, which he absolutely should, it might be time to trade Shaw. And I love Shaw. I, I he's one of my favorite Brewers. I have a shirt. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> but no, it, it that there's got to be an odd man out here. And I don't think they're going to shift Musakis to another position. And I really don't see Travis Shaw playing in the shortstop position. And I don't think they want to mess with Keston here right now. So if there's if if there's a solution to all of this and what has turned out to be an overcrowded infield, it looks like a move of Arcia or Shaw could be imminent. Now, if you move Arcia, that still might not solve the problem because then you still might have then you might call up Dubon and Dubon might be your shortstop and then all of a sudden you have still your three guys in Hira, Musakis, and Shaw all battling for two positions. Looking at this, I, personally, I see Travis Shaw on a different team come to August first if he is performing this well. And it might be weird. It might be weird to think that Travis Shaw is the more he plays well, the more he's going to get traded. 
But man, right now, he's the on man out, and you can't send Hira down. What he's how he's contributing to this offense, and Brian Snitker, the the manager of the Braves, yesterday was talking about how good he looks, and and the teams are impressed by this by this guy, and you got to keep him in the majors, and you you got to win games now. You're in a pennant race. You got to put the best guys out there. So if you can flip Shaw maybe for a relief pitcher or something like that, that might be the best way to go. As much as I love Shaw, that might be the best way to go. What would you do with this infield? 796-2558. Give me a text on the uh, five-star telecom talk and text line, or feel free to give me a phone call as well. Get you on air. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll resume this. Uh, we'll, we'll resume this conversation as long as you uh, keep it going here. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think Travis Shaw... I might be the odd man out as much, as much as I don't like to say that it seems that that may be the case. So we'll have to see it's a crowded infield and it's going to be tough to keep Hira Musakis and Shaw all in the majors for the rest of this year. And yes, you can bring them up, but it's the playing time, right? It's the playing time. If Shaw's just going to sit on the bench in the majors, you might as well have traded them. So Interesting to see. I'm interested to see how this is going to go, and uh, we'll 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 keep you updated with any moves they make. But uh, yeah, I think Sean might be the odd man out. We're going to keep the Brewers talk going. Next segment, Bill Schmidt from the Fan in Milwaukee is going to join us. He is a co-host of the Brewers post-game show on that station in Milwaukee, which is actually the flagship flagship station of the Bill Michaels Show, which you hear weekdays 11 to 2 right here on WKTY. Welcome back to the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY 96.7 FM, 5.80 AM. And let's keep talking about those Brewers, obviously getting a couple wins against the Braves, looking ahead to this series against Arizona. Joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line, it is Bill Schmid, host of the Wendy's Big Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee, the Bill Michaels flagship station, and also co-host of the Brewers postgame show on that station with Tim Allen. Bill, good to talk to you again. How are you? Hunter, good talking to you again, man. It's uh, it's it's a fun time to be a Wisconsin sports fan because not only are the Brewers uh, in the thick of a pennant race, and I know we're going to talk a lot about that, but let's not forget we're only about two weeks away from some real Packers football. Yeah. Can't wait, dude. It's a great time. Yeah, I'm really excited with the new regime and everything coming in, and uh, I'm just I'm just excited to see what can happen in Green Bay. Um, and we'll see. Brewers in a pennant race, like you said. And I don't know. It's it, they've been they've been concerning as of late. As I'm sure I'm sure you've talked to fans over there in Milwaukee. What's kind of the sentiment in Milwaukee right now as far as fans' optimism, pessimistic? You know, lacrosse. We're a little we're a little iffy right now. Not really sure what we're thinking here. You know, as the Brewers have struggled as of late. That's a good way to put it, Hunter. Uh, there, there's a couple of strategies that I know when when you play uh, roulette, right? And and mm-hmm. you can have some guys that will go on certain bets, and, and those are the, the reds and blacks, and you want to go on, on the sure things, and then you're looking at it's either you know white or dark. Or, are you going to either buy or are you going to sell? And then there's other people like myself that when, when I like to, I like to scatter the board a little bit, you know, and, sure. and that's kind of how I think Brewers fans and the uh, beliefs of where this baseball team are, they're all over the place. There's some people that are in, in the optimistic realm, the, the over-the-top optimistic, and I've been called a little bit closer to that end. But I think a little bit more of it is uh, it, it, it's trying to be rationally optimistic because uh, of a strong belief system that, you know, I have in, in, in general manager David Stearns and Greg Council and 
the guys that run this team, I think that they're very, very qualified, and I think that they're at the top of their game when you look at the, the others in Major League Baseball doing it, and the same on the field when you look at the performances you've had from, obviously, Christian Yelich and, and Mike Moustakis, Ismani Grandal, the other guys that you've gotten big-time play out of. But there's a lot of people that, and understandably so, the question marks with the pitching are going to continue to, to be there, and mostly with the relief pitching that was so good last year. We just haven't been accustomed to that here in, in 2019. Haven't figured out how to be able to sustain the back end of the bullpen without Corey Canable, a addition last year late in the year after he was up and down with injuries and then poor performance. He was solidified that bullpen in September into October when the team made their big run. And, and since he went down in spring training, they really haven't figured that out. And they, and they never replaced him, really. And it's becoming a, a concerning issue with what the bullpen has done here over the last month or so. But the starting pitching is improving. It's got some people wanting to buy. It's got some people wanting to stand pat. And also still, Hunter, you're right. We're always talking to the people that are saying, right, ah, just doesn't feel like you're going to win, win the World Series. <laughs> Why don't we go see what Mike Moustakis and Ivani Grandal have on the trade market all over the place? Right, yeah, that's kind of what I've been gathering as well. And and they get two wins here against Atlanta, obviously the second-best team in the NL right now. So is that kind of the sign of life you were looking for, or do you think still they still need to put some, you know, win two or more you know, series yep. in a row in order to really think about them as, as contenders again? Well, they're definitely going to need to put together a couple of good weeks. And and David started saying a couple of days ago, he talked during batting practice down at Miller Park, and he basically said – Guys, we're, we're going to need to go, not necessarily an extended run, but we need to play better in these next two weeks to showcase that this team is, is a competitor, like you said, one that is good enough to add to and, and to see succeeding in the playoffs in the future of this group. And, and I think when you look at where they've been and what they've come through, they, they've had a, a 169 Travis shot up on this yeah. team, taking about 165 at-bats across 81 games. That's just not going to get it done. And, and Jesus Aguilar finally turned a corner here in the last month. He's hitting over 400 in, in the month of July. And, and starting to entry that you're also getting a shot in the arm in Keston Hira here at, at second base and then the offense that he's provided. I think a lot of it, Hunter, is that they play better when the competition level is, is higher. And, and mm. whatever that is, whatever that might be, competitors wake up and, and perform differently maybe sometimes in different atmospheres. Tim and I, Tim Allen, who I do the baseball postgame show with, we talk you know, on the air and off the air, left and right, and, and we had said you know, on and off that it almost just felt like they needed a, a cup series. And, and mm. this team is a bunch of competitive dudes this season is a real grind when you look at 162, and it's no excuse when you're making the money that, that professional athletes are. I understand that, but it's a little bit easier to get up for the second-best team in the National League and have your full go than it is the Miami Marlins, and I think the mm-hmm. Brewers definitely got caught up in that a little bit in the last month. And speaking of being competitive, you mentioned there, and, and the guys want to go out and win, maybe – more so against those better teams like the Braves. What do you think about yesterday's lineup and Council's decision not to go with Moustakis and Grandal in a rubber game of a series against one of the best NL teams? Were you bothered by that at all? I know a lot of people were. 
Yeah, you know what? I was, and I, I, I expected the off day for Moustakis, mm-hmm. and simply just because of the run he's been on, didn't have the off days before the break as, as you were really sliding there and you lost to five and six, looking to, to try to come out hot right off the gates, and you, you sputter a little bit. But against the left-hander, I thought it made sense to, to get Moustakis the one scheduled off day before you head out west. The Grandall one, though, is, is a more interesting conversation, Hunter, because while that was also in the realm of, look, he, he really didn't have that kind of an extended All-Star break. He was in Cleveland for the All-Star game, maybe gets two days off before he flies back to Milwaukee and gets ready to go again on Friday. But his splits against left-handed pitching and, and the switch hitting Grandall in that right-handed side of the, of the batter's box Hitting only about two fifteen, two twenty. It's been it's been bad the last couple of weeks. Manny Pena has put together some really good swings against left-handers, and I think when when you look at Craig Council's lineups, not always is it you're never going to see the one through eight being exactly the same. And, and I think yeah. a lot of Brewer fans have come accustomed to that, whether we like it or not. But when you're going left-handed, right-handed splits, this is a team that relies so heavily on it. I think you're going to see a lot more of Manny Pena in those roles whenever you see a left-hand starter on there like you did yesterday at Dallas Keuchel. And you know what? Whenever you look at a lineup and you say, this is the worst lineup you could put on. Tyler Saladino, how is this dude in the lineup here batting seven? That's the lineup that goes out and scores 13 runs or whatever on Tuesday night five against Dallas Geigel the other day. Right. That was the, my exact next question for you was, why is Tal- or Tyler Saladino in the lineup? Do you, what is there a rationale you can think? I mean, the guy's batting under 100. I, I just don't understand it. He's good on the defensive side. We've seen that. He's made some spectacular plays. Yep. But it's not to say that he's worlds better than Arcia right now. Well, and I think some of it, too, the frustration that at least you know, I, I hear a lot of, is you have Mauricio Dubon already up here. Yeah. And and then you're going to send down Aaron Perez, who, again, w- with the job that he needs to do against left-handed pitching, just wasn't getting it done the last month that he was up here. But a really, really good clubhouse, dude. And Tyler Saladino, he's, he's boys with Brawny and Yelich, and we call him the California crew with, with Moustakis and Yelich, and, and they're all boys, and, and that's good. But obviously production outweighs that, and, and nobody was uh, more respected in that locker room for, for being the ultimate team player than, than Ernan Perez. But if you're going to let that position be up for grabs in the utility role, kind of that last right-handed bat off the bench, one, I think Ernan Perez is going to find his way back up here. Mm-hmm. And Mauricio Dubon, guy can play all over the field. He's one of your top prospects, and I think at some point, Yes, you want to have that prospect getting everyday run wherever it is, but sometimes you just need your best 25 guys up here helping the Major League team. Bill Schmidt, he's the host of the Wendy's Big Show and also Brewers Post Game up there at 105.7 FM, the fan in Milwaukee. So trade deadline less than two weeks away here. Wanted to get your take on, is there... Obviously, the bullpen's been struggling as of late. So is that where you'd focus uh, your trade deadline uh, talks or trade deadline focus? Or you still want a starting pitcher or maybe even a bat? Where are you looking yeah. at the trade deadline? It's going to be relief pitching for sure. And and when I think of that, still replacing Corey Knable has to be uh, on, on that list. And we're doing it now four months into the year. 
but it, it's a difficult position to be in when a guy that is a top three reliever in your rotation, but also, I mean, wherever you want to slot him, Corey Knable was leaned on big time last year, and Jeremy Jeffers just hasn't been the same since he had that uh, tired arm before spring training really got going out of the mm-hmm. gates. There's a few different arms that you're going to be able to acquire. The price that you're going to have to pay for some starting pitching just might be a little bit out of out of this world, actually, Hunter, be, mm. because of the, the difference in Major League Baseball this year, changing the trade deadline season. They used to always have two trade deadlines. You have the non-waiver trade deadline, which is the big one that everyone talks about, and that's on July 31st, and, and that one remains. But there was also the waiver trade deadline. And, and if you remember a couple of years ago, Justin Verlander was traded yeah. on, on August mm-hmm. 31st. And last year, the Brewers get Gio Gonzalez on August 31st. And you try to clear the contract, you, you would then put somebody on waivers. Somebody could claim the contract, get that player or work out a trade with you for him, but then take on the entirety of that deal. In, in the non-waiver trade deadline, you can work out money in, in the other realms of it. But there were two opportunities for you to add to your team. Right now, there's going to be so many more teams, and there are. You look in the NL, there, there's seven or eight different teams that are going to be within three games of that wild card spot, and, and a lot of those teams haven't been to the playoffs in quite some time. They're, they're trying to sell their fan base, hey, we're trying to win a World Series. We're trying to get to the playoffs. We're spending all this money doing anything we can uh, to get some postseason baseball here. The price might just be out of the realm because of the supply and demand of big-time starting pitching. I think this team really needs some help in that bullpen. A couple of arms that you can lean on in the 6th, 7th, 8th inning. And primarily one to get Josh Hader out of the ninth inning. Hunter, I think, is is a big part of it. If you get Josh Hader out of that ninth inning, you bring in a lockdown closer, you have the opportunity to use Josh Hader whenever the top of the order comes or whenever the the meat of that order is, is at the plate for your opponent. And it becomes a race to, to get seven a lead after, before the seventh inning if you're an opposition. Because whenever you drop Josh Hader in there, uh, it spells bad news for an opposition, no doubt. Right, exactly. And and last question here for you. I, they Say they make a, a move or two to maybe help the bullpen, maybe a starter, maybe maybe a lower, a lower starter, like a third guy, fourth guy. Uh, but at least add to that bullpen. Do you seeing how they played in these first like ninety seven games as they have? Do you still still think this team can compete for a World Series if they make a couple of those moves? I really do, just because of the battle tested nature of the of the team. Yeah, I think that that's one part of it, Hunter. I think the other part of it is you're looking at an opportunity in this league and then just looking at the national league in general where the other teams in it the the braves right now the nationals had a nice little run they're about eight games back or wherever the phillies are but they're closer to 10 games back than they are five and this nl central is going to come down to the absolute wire you're going to see the brewers go up against the arizona diamondbacks who for the diamondbacks the division was pretty much lost in the middle of may the Dodgers have had a double-digit game lead pretty much all year long. So these, these other division leaders really aren't necessarily going to be playing playoff baseball all the way out through the, the rest of, of these next two months because they got their divisions rather locked up. The Brewers are going to be fighting and clawing 
playing playoff baseball right around now-ish, all the way through whenever the season ends. If that is September 31st, or if that's you know October 15th, or, or as we all hope, it's it's ending in the fall classic there uh, after Game Six of the World Series with, with the Brewers holding up a trophy. But they have the opportunity where they're going to have to play hard. They're going to have to be competitive, and they're going to play playoff type baseball, which which helps you, and it can also hurt you yeah. if your starting pitching isn't as good as it's been here in the last couple of weeks. That's for sure. He's Bill Schmidt, host of the Wendy's Big Show and Brewers Post Game Show at 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee. Bill, always great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us for a couple minutes this evening. Hunter, appreciate it as always, brother. Yes, for sure. Talk to you again soon. Bill Schmidt, he's the host of the Wendy's Big Show and the Brewers Post Game on 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee. Joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. And something he, he said uh, that just ticked my mind um, as I was listening to his answer there to my last question, I, he, he said, you know, it, it can hurt you and both, it can both hurt you and help you to be in that race all the way down the stretch, right? If you're the Dodgers and you're like a 12, 13 game lead, I think that you can rest your players a little more than you can say, if you're going down to game 163, like they did last year. And, and who knows that goes to game seven NLCS, the Dodgers maybe they've they've you know had to maybe pitch their their big guys a little less. They've had to they've been able to rest their starters a little more because the division lead you know things like that. That helps you. That helps you down the stretch and being able to rest your players or maybe not put the foot on the gas as much as you need to. Okay, we can you know we can lose a game here. It's not the end of the world. In what is shaping up to be a pennant race and a just a a you know a huge group of teams in that NL Central as we head to the end of the year, that's going to be something to look for. Is if this team is able to rest anybody, and if not, that just not only physically, but it takes a toll mentally on you as well when you're constantly having to make every play, every at bat counts all the way through game 162 and maybe even 163, compared to a team like the Dodgers who has a, who have a double digit lead since June. And they have it throughout the year. Now, will a team come back in that division? We'll see. Uh, take a Dodgers collapse. But I think it's something to think about. And a uh, really good point Bill made there. But great interview with Bill. Great to hear some uh, Brewers insight from over there in Milwaukee. And always a fantastic interview. And a good friend, Bill Schmidt from the fan in Milwaukee. All right. We are going to talk a little Packers coming up next. Also, Brewers lineup is out tonight. And Keston Hira was batting fourth yesterday. He's lower tonight, significantly lower. So we're going to talk about that coming up. Welcome back to the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY, presented by Played Against Sports. I'm Hunter in for Grant this evening. A few more minutes of the show. Well, plenty of time to get into some Green Bay Packers talk. We haven't done that at all this week because uh, it's just been... Brewers, 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 and rightfully so. They are in a pennant race, and they are in the thick of it in the NL Central, which is really, really fun. So that we kind of got Brewer fever around here, but Packer fever is going to take you know take us by surprise really, really soon. Training camp is a week away. One week from today, the training camp under new coach Matt Lafleur will be underway. And I, my question for you is, what excites you more? 
about this Packers team coming into training camp and coming into this 2019 season? Is it the offense or is it the defense? Obviously, you have Aaron Rodgers, right? You have the star part, the quarterback position, one of the best in the league, if not the best. You have Devontae Adams. You have your mainstays. You have Geronimo Allison. You have Jimmy Graham coming back, hoping he can improve from last year. You have your running backs in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, right? You have uh, David Bakhtiari, one of the best offensive linemen in the league. So you have your mainstays on offense. Then the defense also excites you, or excites me at least. I don't know about you, but the defense excites me. You have new guys like Zadarius and Preston Smith, who both came via free agency. You have a veteran guy who uh, Rodgers has said has really good leadership in Adrian Amos coming over from the Bears at the safety position. That excites you. They have their It's their second year under new defensive coordinator Mike Pettin. Blake Martinez, who had a standout year last year, Rodgers said he's stepping in his ro- into his role as a middle linebacker and he's owning it. So the defense also excites you. It excites me. I don't know why I keep saying you. I'm not, I'm not telling you how to think. I'm just saying my opinion. <laughs> but either way, I, the offense and the defense both excite me, and that's I think why I'm I'm pretty excited for this new Packers this Packers season. I say new because it is new. It's it's like it's like when you get anything. You know, maybe a, a to use I guess a, just an easy example to we buy a new car, okay? And whether it's new, used, whatever. You buy the car and you're like, wow, I can't wait to drive that thing tomorrow. I can't wait to drive it the next day. You're right. You're like, oh, I can't wait to go do that. I can't wait to just see how this, you know, see how the, see how it drives and just kind of, it's, it's that new shiny feeling. That's what I, how I feel about Matt LaFleur taking over with the Green Bay Packers. I feel like it's just this new thing that I, I am so excited to see how it runs. I'm so excited to see how the Packers incorporate it, like how Rodgers fits in with the system, how the system looks different. If it looks different than with Mike McCarthy, does it look more smooth? Uh, is it less choppy, right? It, it's those kinds of things that I'm really excited about. And it's kind of that new shiny car thing. Now, here's the deal. Where we, where were we with Mike McCarthy before he got fired? We were at the time where, okay, you've now had the car for, say, a decade. The car has lasted a long time. And it's, you're like, okay, I've driven this thing for so long. It's kind of the same thing every day. I have a, you know, a 15 minute drive home and I, I'm not looking forward to that. I just want to be home. Okay. That's where you're at. That's where we're at with Mike McCarthy last December when he got fired. And now you just bought the new car and now you're excited to go drive it. You want that drive home to be 25 minutes. You want it to be longer than 15 minutes. Because it's new, it's shiny, it's a new thing, and you want to go use it and see how it goes. And just that anticipation and that and that um, excitement. That's how I feel about the Green Bay Packers this season. How about you? 608-796-2558. Plenty of time to get a call or a text in here. A couple even. 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line. But it's, it's the shiny new car feel to me. I don't know about you. Um, but... And with this whole Rogers Lafleur thing too, I know there's a you know little bit of a riff. And Rogers said in an interview a couple of days ago that he's like, "Look, I 
it's 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 nothing between me and him and the audible the whole audible thing. He said, yeah, there's audibles in every offense, so don't worry about it. Well, you know, it'll it'll be figured out, and it's just a new learning curve because it's a new system. Um, but look, I I say relax on the whole Rogers Lafleur how the relationship is going to go. I get that that had a factor with McCarthy, and as much as McCarthy and Rogers say that their you know relationship was really good and and they defended all they want, I, we know there's there is some rifts in there, no doubt about that. Not everything that has come out that has said there's a rift between them isn't true, right? So there is some sort of tension there, and there's going to be tension between. Rodgers and any coach he has. But it's how much of that tension will it be? And I think we just need to relax on that issue, see how the season goes, see how he plays for six, seven weeks. Don't overreact if it's four weeks in and he's got, you know, he's maybe he's, you see some, I don't know what the word is, but you see some tension, again, to use the word tension, but to see some, a rift between Lafleur and Rodgers. They they's got to work things out. They've never they've never coached and played in the same game on the same team. So you you got to think about that. And I'm just excited. I really am. I'm super excited. Now we've got uh, the Packers got training camp starting a week from tomorrow or a week from today. Family night is August second. So that is going to be the second Friday of training camp. That is that is uh, August second is family night at Lambeau Field. And then you got uh, they're they're doing this thing, and I think it's interesting. They're doing a joint practice with uh, with Houston, the Houston Texans. They're doing a, a a joint practice with the Houston Texans on the fifth and sixth of August, upcoming to their August eighth preseason game at home against the Houston Texans. And these always seem not always, but a lot of the time seem to lead to tensions and fights and just things that. Uh, can be very can be very interesting and and harmful maybe to some teams. So I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm sure because Matt Lafleur decided to do it. I'm sure there's a reason to it, and he's obviously a smarter football guy than I am. He's coaching in the NFL and one of the most prestigious jobs in the world. So he he knows more about football than I do. But I'm a little worried about that. And I, I'm interested to see, not that I think the, they're bad guys on either team, but you've seen the classic Sports Center video of the training camp, two teams getting at it. And uh, I'm just really not, whole, I just don't really want Rodgers or anybody on that offense or defense on the Packers to, to be getting in one of those scrums. Um, so we'll see how that goes. August 5th and 6th, the joint practices up there in Green Bay. So they have Houston on August 8th. They have Baltimore in Baltimore on August 15th. August 22nd, they are in Oakland. But actually, they are in Winnipeg to play Oakland. So they're going to be in Canada. And then the 29th, they are home against Kansas City. So their two home preseason games are the 8th and 29th of August. And then, of course, they play a week after that 29th game against the Bears to open the season. So I'm excited for this Packers for this Packers season. Super excited. So looking forward to it. We are going to recap coming up next. Uh, just kind of look ahead to tonight's uh, Brewers-Diamondbacks game, opening game of the series, give you the pitching matchup and the lineup coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show, Hunter and for Grant. Welcome back to the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Hunter Baumgart in for Grant Bills. couple more minutes here. Bill Ryder. Coming up next here on on uh, WKTY, and then 8.05 pregame, and 
8.40 first pitch for the Milwaukee Brewers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Brewers have released their lineup for tonight. And Craig Council is going with this. Um, Kane, center field. Yelich, right field. And then Grandal catching and Moustakis third base. Goes third with Grandal and fourth with Moustakis. And Braun is batting fifth in left field. I mean, I have been clamoring for Braun to get out of that three spot because I, his production does not match the being the three hitter. If Braun is, it's perfect at fifth. He's not having a terrible year, but Grandal and Moustakis are having better years. And if you put one of them at third, I really like that lineup. So I love the first five. Then Thames at first, like that. Keston Hira batting seventh at second base. Arcia getting the start at shortstop, batting eighth. And Davies pitching, batting ninth. There was, remember that there was that little stint there where Council decided to put the pitcher eighth? I kind of like that, but it it's fine. I, I'm not going to be up in arms about that. Either way, Keston Hira batting seventh. I don't know if you like that. It's okay. I, I'd honestly bat him over Thames, but hey. You got you got your first seven batters are are have having pretty good seasons. So I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain too much about that lineup. Looking forward to the Brewers and the Diamondbacks from Chase Field tonight in Arizona. 805 pregame, it's a late one. 840 is the first pitch on here on WKTY. And the pitching matchup features Zach Davies on the mound for the Brewers, who is uh he's seven and two this year. And not only is he seven and two, but uh, he is having he. This is his hundredth start as a Milwaukee Brewer. Uh, well, actually, sorry, a hundredth career start, ever, like ever. But he's been a Brewer for forever. Anyway, Davies will become the twenty-third pitcher in franchise history to make a hundred starts with the team. So there you go. He is making his hundredth career start, and it'll be a hundred with the Milwaukee Brewers at the same time. Twenty-third pitcher in franchise history. Wow. 100 starts for Zach Davies. That is awesome for him. Now, he enters the day sixth in the MLB in ERA. Can you believe that? Zach Davies, sixth in the MLB. Think about this. Hinjin Rayu is number one in ERA, 1.78. That is unreal. He got to start in the uh, in the uh, All-Star game. Then Max Scherzer, Charlie Morton for Tampa Bay, Luis Castillo for Cincinnati. He's a great young pitcher. Mike Miner, who's been in trade talks and maybe with the Milwaukee Brewers. And then Zach Davies. Zach Davies, that's that's some good names to be associated with. Zach Davies having a pretty good year. So looking forward to um, what Zach Davies can do coming up tonight as they face the Arizona Diamondbacks. So Zach Davies, 7-2. and two. He's facing Kelly, Merrill Kelly, 7-9 and nine on the season. Kelly with a 3.93 ERA. So should be a good pitching matchup tonight. Diamondbacks come in 49-47. and 47, So they are just a half game worse than the Brewers. So it should be a very even series coming up as we uh, start a four-game set against Arizona tonight. Here on WKTY, 8.05 pregame, 8 o'clock, or 8.40 first pitch. I'll be in again tomorrow for Grant. Looking forward to that. And uh, final day in for him. He'll be back on Monday. But talking more Brewers, we'll recap tonight's game, look ahead to the weekend, and more on the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks again. I'm Hunter Baumgarten for Grant. This has been the Wow. This has been the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY.